I think the ability for you to jump on your smartphone and find out exactly where your friends are at or open up your Instagram profile and you can see, you know, what the latest picture was at the local pub, I think drives people to more activities, do more, be more connected, which ultimately I think leads them to say, I'm not defined by my work, but uh, I want to have more, more balance and uh, spend more time with friends or family outside of just your typical nine to five. Hi, I'm Gary Beagle, your host of the Bourbon with Beagle podcast. Join me for the third installment of our new series, Bourbon with Generations That Can Legally Drink or Not. We covered the boomers and the Gen Xers, and next up, we'll be diving into the mind of a millennial. Our guest, Connor Cavanaugh, is a managing partner of Palladio Consulting, LLC, where he specializes in special needs financial planning. Join us as we discuss how to handle your parents' aging process, both financially and otherwise, eternal youth, and what defines the millennial generation. Spoiler alert, it's not social media. I'll be drinking Daniel Craig. What about you? I'd like to welcome today my guest, Connor Cavanaugh. Connor works in the field of special needs trust and planning for individuals. But today we're going to talk about a little something different. The title of this particular series is Bourbon with Generations That Can Legally Drink or Not. And so Connor is actually part of the Y generation, but we're going to call them millennials for today because that's a better term and known term on that. But welcome, Connor. Gary, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're quite welcome. So to begin with, we're, we're asking the question, what is your personal take on aging, personal philosophy on aging? Man, well, I would start by saying this. I think when I think about it, in my mind, I separate I think the aging of the mind versus the aging of the body, and I have a couple of examples that I'll, I'll give you, but you know, uh, the aging of the mind versus the aging of the body where I've been around enough people that maybe, maybe in their, in their 70s or their 80s, but I will tell you the way in which they think about life and the responses and the things in which they do and the travel, I would say they're two different people of what you see versus, versus what they do on a daily basis. So obviously, it's a, you know, aging is a part of life. That mm-hmm. it's inevitable that uh, people, you know, get one day older as each day goes by. But it's something that, yeah, it doesn't just uh, end at a certain point. But I guess we can we we can dive into more of that. I don't want to start, you know, going down different paths. But I'll let you kind of guide the conversation. But okay, I think you're absolutely correct on the concept of mind versus body. You know, we both work with older individuals and doing that. And people ask always are asking me, "What's the client's age?" And I go, "I don't know." Primarily because I have 90-year-olds that you would think would be 60 or 70 because of their mindset and because of the body. And then I have 65 to 70-year-olds that you think were 90. So I think it's very important to, to make that distinction, and thank you for doing that. What do you think is successful for the folks in aging? What makes the, the ones successful in how they're aging? You know, I'll I'll answer that question by giving a quick example. So I had a football coach in college. He was in his early 80s, and he had spent his entire career coaching high school, college, and professional athletes all between, you know, call it 14 years old on the Mm -hmm. young end of high school up to probably 40 in the professional leagues. And and so his his entire career, he was hanging out with young with young people. And when I played for him, he was in his early 80s. Mm-hmm. But yet, 
he may be 80, you know, on the, on the scorecard for lack of a better analogy of, you know, that was his age, but because he'd hung out with young people for his entire career, he just thought differently. He was far more active. He would use the terms that young people use because it was just kind of his surroundings. And it probably is just attributed to, you know, your product of your surroundings. And so I always use that as an example of, you know, as uh, just being conscious about what you're taking in, because obviously that's what's going to, what you're going to put out in the end. So. Absolutely. And I think if individuals tend to, we tend to focus just on the group within our generations. We don't do the cross-generational type of interactions that a lot of people do. And, and surely uh, other, ca- other countries and cultures do, especially when the older individuals living with the, the, the children and grandparents and parents, they tend to have a little more sense of that. In the U.S., we don't. What do you think the general philosophy, or not philosophy, but take of your generation is of the baby boomers, for example? What do you, what would you think the baby boomers take on aging is? You know, gosh, the I think the baby boomers obviously grew up in a different time, a time post-war where uh, life was significantly different. And I think not just different from you know, what we use on a daily basis, uh, but also just the philosophy, the mindset, you know, post-war. You know, I think, uh, as, I, as I think about baby boomers in my life, I would say they, baby boomers in my life, let's, let me think about this. So uh, like my dad, for example, he's a baby boomer. He worked for the same company his entire career. You know, he, same company for the last, you know, 30 years. Well, I can tell you, I won't have any friends that'll work for the same company for 30 years. Right. And so you take that 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 generation where they're very the company in which they work for defines them where I think, you know, our generation, gosh, it feels like it's different where the company's not going to tell you what to do. You have your own way of doing it. We're a contrarian generation. It feels like we kind of are going against the grain, you know. So, yeah, very very different. Uh and I, you know, my grandpa for example, he he taught at the same university his entire career. Yeah. Lived in the same city, taught the same university his entire career, and now I have friends that are in teaching profession. The more I think about it, and they're moving. One just moved to San Diego to take a job, yeah. <laughs> you know, just yeah. because. So, well, yeah. I think when I, when I, I and I always preface this by say I Uber a lot, and so when I the Uber drivers are there, I tend to ask the question, "What generation are you?" and "What's your opinion of these generations?" Mm-hmm. And when I ask the millennials and the X generation what they think of baby boomers, I get the same response from most of them, which is they tend to be very conservative and very closed uh, in their thinking process and stuck in a rut. And I think that's exactly what you're describing is this generation felt, and I'm part of the boomer, I'm right on the cusp. Part of the boomer generation is such that we find comfort in routine. And so I think that's what you see. And so I think that's kind of defined that generation. Um, Your generation, though, I think is probably going to be defined by technology and the ability to be flexible and moving around. So what's your thought on your your generation on technology and and how you've adapted to that and and how you're utilizing that versus the past? I remember, and, I, and I'm sorry, Gary, I'm using a bunch of stories, but I, I remember coming home uh, for Christmas break, and this was, gosh, probably 15 years ago, and my brother uh, was, a, was a, I think he was a sophomore at uh, Oregon State, and he was setting up his Facebook account for the first time. 
Mm-hmm. This is the first time I, I, I heard about it. He was setting up his Facebook account. At that point in time, Facebook, if you were going to uh, open a profile, you had to have a, a .edu email address. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first time where Facebook had really just launched last, you know, uh, the, the previous couple of years to now Facebook is one of the, you know, largest, largest publicly right. traded companies out there. And so I use that as an example of saying, you know, uh, our generation has really seen life before some of these big, big technologies that we use on a mm-hmm. daily basis. Uh, so we saw it before we saw it during the growth and we, and, and we obviously live it on a daily basis now. So, you know, I think, uh, seeing kind of the before and after and living through some of those big, 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 big changes, you know, ultimately will define our generation. We have, uh, you know, 30 year old millionaires who are millennials who, uh, don't work, never worked, but they decided to launch a cryptocurrency or they decided that, you know, they're going to start, uh, you know, as a gamer in college and they make six figures and all they do is just game all day. And so I think that defines us as just, you know, we don't go with the status quo. Um, I think our, our life has changed because of technology to your, to your point um, that has allowed us to do many, many different things that previous generations have not had the ability to do, which leads us, I think, to think outside the box and to say, you know, let's move to San Diego just because there's a flight down there and we can, and I got a friend that lives down there and they're letting me sleep on their couch, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think part of the interesting thing is about generations is that some of the primary X and boomers, and, and to be honest with you, some of the, what we call the silent generation, which is before uh, uh, 1901 to, I mean, 1925 to 1945 group which my mom falls into that. She just turned 92. She uses a flip phone, cell phone. She has got that thing down like you wouldn't believe and calling all over the place. So I think each generation is kind of taking on what they utilize in the technology world, but some have not. And I I think that's important to, to, to recognize is that some generations will pick it up, others will not. But the boomer generation is one I call the transitional generation because we went from non-technology to bringing technology to place. And then the generation X brought it even further and the millennials have got it to where it is today. And I think that's a huge uh, step to take within one's lifetime. But one of the things that I, that when we talk to generation Z is that social media is tending to dominate their lives. Do you think that's a, an issue for your generation? Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. The amount of time it, that's spent on these technology platforms, um, I don't think most people realize, you know, I, I think it's a habit for many, me included, that the first thing you do when you get up in the morning is you want to get connected to the world. And that's through Instagram, that's through Twitter, that's through uh, Facebook. Uh, frankly, that's where I get a ton of, you know, uh, you know, updates on what's happening in the world, you know? Um, and so you're so connected to those and you're so reliant on those that to a certain extent, you know, it, uh, it takes over your life and then you can't kind of pull away from it because it is your information source. Uh, it's the way you stay connected to high school friends and college friends and hear about your, your cousin just had a baby. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm not sure it's a healthy thing. There's obviously tons of, you know, webinars and podcasts and articles about, you know, uh, the impact of, of social media, 
you know, and those technologies in our lives. But it's uh, it's definitely integrated into, you know, the daily routines of all millennials. Right. And I think that that's a struggle that your generation and especially Generation Z is going to have is how much impact do you allow social media to have on your personal life? And, and in talking to those individuals in Generational Z, they're realizing that there are some benefits to social media, but there's also some challenges to social media on just having it control their entire lives. But also, people can post anything and everything on there. And so they're, they're getting a little more concerned about the negative aspects of people basing their entire self-worth on the internet system. And I thought that we just um, interviewed uh, True Ware, who's uh, uh, one of the Generation Z, and that's one of the things that she was talking about is that we can't let this define us. Uh, we've got to be able to, to realize our self-worth without social media. And I think that's very yeah. important for every generation to understand that. Yeah. What do you think, Connor, is the boomers' gener- uh, philosophy on aging? What do you think they think aging is? You know, good question. I, well, I'll answer it first, in, I guess, in a broad way. I would say, you know, your experience dictates your decisions where – I make decisions now that 10 years ago, I would never have thought I'd make mm-hmm. that decision. I would, so, so as one gets older, their obviously mindset and their decisions change. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for, I'll use another example. Um, my dad was uh, over at house, it was about a month ago and we were, it was, it was late at night, had a couple of bourbons and we're watching some music videos. And some of these country music videos, they do a pretty good job of, of pulling out the heartstrings. Well, exactly. he, you know, there's, there's, there's certain songs and certain artists, um, Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, he's got a, they both have a couple of songs that if he watches the music video and listens to the song, he's going to get emotional. Yeah. And he's getting emotional because the video, the story in which they're telling in his 64 years, he can resonate with that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sitting there at, uh, what am I, 33, and I just haven't had enough life experience to get emotional about – there's telling a story about dad's getting older and hasn't had enough time with the kids, and that's an emotional yeah. aspect for the – and so – I guess I'm answering, Gary, your question in a roundabout way, but I think one's experiences in life dictate so much on the, not only the decisions, but the way in which they uh, handle aging Mm -hmm. um, that I don't, you know, uh, in my 33 years, I still have a lot of life left to live. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's less at the forefront of my life because 60 Mm -hmm. or so years uh, where my dad has got a shorter timeline just based on obviously age. And so anyway, hopefully that that helps. Well, I think your comment will go back earlier about mind body. Yeah. And I'm going to call it a connection because that really is yeah. what the aging process is for the boomer generation. But when I look at the boomer generation, um, and especially when we uh, talk about the silent generation, our parents from the boomer generation, I'm surprised that more advocacy hasn't been done by that generation on aging. Mm-hmm particularly around the Alzheimer dementia diagnoses, uh, the health diagnoses, they've made great stride. But that area, which is devastating to that population, uh, has not done that. And so I'm very surprised that more people aren't out doing advocacy in that arena through that process. Also, I'm surprised that that 
group has turned more conservative than, than uh, what they were. Uh, I was in junior high in the 60s uh, back in those days. Those are the groups that were out there protesting the Vietnam War, uh, making great inroads into social justice. But we've kind of turned conservative at this point. But I can tell you, um, they were the first boomers were the first ones lined up at the uh, marijuana shops in Washington uh, when they first opened because they, they were all lined up to get the pod because that's what they did yeah. that generation. So I think aging is that type of, of thing of what I'm seeing. So, you know, that's a broad stroke yeah, across yeah. it. But so do you think the aging on the boomer side is going to, to lead to changes within that community? Or do you think it's too late for us to make those changes? No, I, I think, uh, I think it's not too late. I mean, I would, I would say because it's such a personal experience, I think that there's, there's going to be changes made because now they're, they're at the forefront of, of facing those, those, uh, those points and times in their lives, not only for their own lives, but for a family member, whether it's a, a sibling or it's a parent or, or somebody like that, you know, cause I think a lot of changes is driven off of personal experience. Sure. You know, people make changes cause they go through something in their own personal life and they say, I need to come up with a new, new mousetrap, a new way to, to, to do this. And so, so as a millennial with a baby boomer parents, have you given any thought on how you're going to handle their aging process? Honestly, I have not. I have not. But I'm now getting to the point that you see uh, grandparents age uh-huh. and get to the point in which they age very quickly. And you see how uh, my parents have handled that. I, I, had, a, I had, had a grandparent, uh, grandfather passed away in June of 2020. And my mom is an only child. And you know, with my grandma there, it was really just on them too to really handle everything. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I see that, you know, as once kind of, kind of, uh, one step behind as my mom's son. And, and I think that was a good learning experience where you say, we, you have to figure out, you know, a way in which we can continue to, you know, improve the experience, you know, do a better job of kind of planning forward, have the necessary documents in place and, you know, all those types of things. It's, uh, I've come to realize there's, there's more involved in it than one would initially think who doesn't deal with on a daily basis. And you see it, you know, on the business side as well as I do, but yeah. Do you think that the parents, your mother, and I know I've had to have discussions about this and it's been very difficult about end of life decisions because what happens, you know, if they have a stroke and all that Mm -hmm. sort of thing uh, to do that. And those are difficult discussions, but do you think those discussions your generation would be able to have them with their baby boomer parents? I would say, and this is just um, me just putting a couple seconds of thought to it. I think for the most part, our generation would feel comfortable having those conversations. I, I would, I would guess and say that the baby boomer generation, I think there's a lot of them that probably don't believe they're out there at that, at that point in time, in which that conversation mm-hmm. needs to start to happen. Sure. And I totally, I totally get it uh, to realize that you're getting to an age that you have to start doing some of this end of life planning is a realization that the, uh, the end may be nearer than, than, than you thought. Right. And so yeah, directly answer your question. I would a hundred percent feel comfortable along with many other 
millennials I know, I think it's again the generation you know above them, the baby boomers, their parents that probably say, no, 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 we're not having this conversation yet. We're not talking about end of life and money, and I'm not sharing all this information with you. Yeah, yeah. I, so, and I, you're absolutely correct on that one. I know from my experience and talking with older folks, they're going, and they. My mother was 90 when I had I finally set her down and said, you know, we have to talk about whether do not resuscitate orders or not. Oh, no, I don't need to do it. But you're 90. Yeah. So at some point, yeah. we've got to have <laughs> And we finally did. But it, it was difficult for her, even at 90, to, to recognize that and do it. But uh, And also, she handled things a little differently. It was easier for her to move into an assisted living than I've known other people to do and other relatives, but I think those housing options have to be discussed as well um, in doing that. So what contributions uh, do you think your generation is going to make or has made already? I would say, Gary, we're the ones that are pulling up the linoleum that's on those really nice oak floors. <laughs> you know, I, no I can't remember where carpet. I heard this. No yeah, yeah, carpet. yeah. <laughs> where uh, I can't remember where I I heard this or read this, but it was our generation is the one that is pulling up the linoleum in the kitchen, exposing these very beautiful oak wood floors from you know uh, nineteen nineteen that have never been walked on before. <laughs> but aside from that, I would say, well, your question was about. What can we do better in the future? Give me no, the question again, Gary. Sorry. What contributions gotcha. has, has your generation made or will make in the future? Yeah. So I think um, I think on the technology side, the the development and the implementation of the Facebooks and the Twitters, you know, we developed a lot of these technologies. Uh, you know, um, we were the ones to you know, see it, see it roll out kind of in uh, firsthand, you know, I hate going to this as well, but, uh, the, the, it, it's, it seems like crypto is continuing to like change the world. And right. I guess we'll chalk it up as a win for the millennials. You know, I think, uh, I think we're, we're one of the generations that is again, going against the status quo. And I think mm-hmm. we've seen that in the last, uh, you know, real last, the last, last couple of years. Um, that uh, we're starting to be more, I guess, uh, yeah, against the grain. The ones that that you know work for ten employers in the last ten years that uh, that don't work for the same companies for the twenty eight years. Yeah. So, um, yeah. thinking about things a bit differently. That you don't work for the company, you work with the company. People that work. Uh, what's an example? Yeah, I guess it's going back to. I think he's my my uh, grandfather, for example. He worked for the same university his entire teaching career and he, that was like a part of the the family well i think our generation doesn't see their employer as a part of their family it's it's uh they're working you know with them as opposed to you know for them so it's this right. independent thinking i guess so whether that's a contribution i'm not really sure i think but, it's a contribution and i would label your generation the rebel generation actually yeah. because you're you're, you're yeah. really going in and re-looking at what has been the standard of things the entire time and kind of reevaluating and doing that one. Um, The thing about the rebel generation, your generation of millennials, is I'm curious about how you view the work-life balance Mm -hmm. 
and how that, because you work with a company, but again, uh, the work-life balance, how does your generation kind of see that aspect? You know, gosh, I, I think it's, I would say generally for the most part, I think we're seeing a lot more work-life balance among our generation, though, you know, I have, uh, I have friends who I'd t- say, that, say the complete opposite, where they, they work seven days a week, they work 10 hours a day, they absolutely love it. But for the most part, I think it's, it's, uh, they enjoy the remote, the remote working. They, they don't mind answering an email on a Sunday, but they'll leave the office early on a Friday. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think it's more work-life balance than, than, uh, than, than previous generations. I think there's probably more things to do. I think transportation is, is much easier in our generation where to jump on a plane in the 60s was a little bit right. more difficult than jump on a right. plane now. I think the ability for you to jump on your smartphone and find out exactly where your friends are at yeah. or open up your Instagram profile and you can see you know, what the latest picture was at the local pub, I think drives people to more activities, do more, be more connected, which ultimately I think leads them to say, I'm not defined by my work, but uh, I want to have more, more balance and uh, spend more time with friends or family outside of just your typical nine to five. And I think that's a good point. I think the the baby boomers, and I'm not real sure about the Zen, Gen X people, but the baby boomers, I think, are defined by their work. Yeah. Uh, I know when people retire, friends I retire uh, from work and worked a long time within an industry or something, have a very difficult time in redefining themselves. I don't think your generation is going to have that. Yeah, uh, I think you are a little more well-rounded probably than our generation is. The other thing is, do you think your generation is going to be advocating for different things like extended parental leave, those type of things? Or do you think they're going to, again, stay within the status quo? Are they going to be independent or how are they going to adjust for these additional things that other countries have in place that we do not. Yeah. I would say our generation is going to advocate big time for extended leave. Um, I know there, there's been discussion about the, the father, you know, a, mm. a wife is working. She gets her, her um, leave um, once the baby's born. Now there's, you know, uh, the ability for the father to t- have paid time off, which I, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure 10 and 20 years ago was never a discussion. So right. I think we continue to push the status quo on things like that. Um, I also think, and using that example, um, our generation goes against the grain on things like, you know, it's the the wife that stays home, that she's the stay-at-home parent and the husband goes to work. I think you have a lot of situations where it's the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, uh, to your point of, you know, uh, we're the rebel generation, it's, we're thinking differently, um, on things like that, which means that there's, you know, changing legislation to keep up with some of those things. One of the th- challenges I see is the corporate leaders, and this is true of politicians, they tend to be 80 years old <laughs> in those roles or much older. And I see it being very different in trying to bring those individuals around to a work-life balance, which I think is very important. Uh, I certainly uh, do that. But I think that's going to be a challenge, getting those individuals replaced with with younger individuals. So hopefully that'll happen. Yeah. 
yeah. at some point. At some point. You know so, the other thing, Gary. Sorry to interrupt. I, I just no. uh, this just popped in my head, but I think the the baby boomer generation when they end work, more retirement parties because of their association to their employer. I don't see our generation as we get to that age in thirty years having retirement parties because I think there's a lot of people in our generation that not because they don't want a retirement party, but I think the ability to continue to work into your late 60s and 70s because of some of the technologies or mm-hmm. the fact that our generation may be in a uh, in a job in which they love so much because they found their vocation that they're going to do it till they're 80 years old and they never really fully retire. Yeah. You know, so I, anyway. I'm not a big fan of retirement parties myself. So thank <laughs> you uh, to do that one. I think probably what I will say that yeah. – as you age, and it's probably something true for the, the the baby boomers is, if you enjoy what you're doing, it dawns on you one day, you're going, oh my God, I'm this old and now I need to think about retiring or leaving things done. I hope they will go into areas that they enjoy doing, which is what I've been wanting to do with this podcast. So that's part of my transition from the, the from the role that I currently have. Yeah. But uh I, I really am in awe of the rebel generation for really wanting to be themselves and set their own schedules and do all of that. That's that's totally amazing. It would have never crossed my mind uh, in my working career to have done that until now. Mm-hmm. So that's great. I, I think that is a great way to do the work-life balance. What do you think uh, the baby boomers or the Gen X people could have done can do better? for future generations like yours? I am a big fan of everything in moderation. Uh So I would say what the baby boomers can do, well, for us is is pass the experiences that the baby boomers had, the experiences, the philosophies, the, the mindset onto the millennial, my generation. So we can be a bit more moderate maybe in some of our ideas or philosophies where, again, it goes back to experiences determine decisions and determines one's outlook. And um, I think I think that's that's such an important part. And the reason why there's there's great mentors that change the lives of, of young people mm-hmm. is because they can share those experiences with them. So, you know, I think the one, you know, action item or the big the big benefit as we look at some of these different generations is to to pass knowledge on, and hopefully it's well-received by generations like us. Do you yeah. think one of the benefits would be for the boomer generation to realize that what we experienced, and I'm talking about college. When I went to college, it was very minimal. You could pay for uh, tuition, room and board, and everything on a part-time job. And I think what we've lost is the focus of that experience has launched launched many baby boomers in trade schools and all of that. But the cost of education, we aren't funding as well as we our parents did, for example. And my mom's generation back in the silent generation was taxed much more heavily than we are today, but they got better benefits, I think, for the buck for their dollar. And so I hope that one of the things that we can do is realize that this dollars $200,000 in debt to obtain an education is not sustainable. And we need to realize that we need to fund some of these things a little bit more to do that. So hopefully that's one of the things that we will be able to, to rectify and, and 
your generation and future generations will realize the, the really the benefit of those things yeah. in that, that direction. What do you think your generation can do better? I would say, Gary, I think, uh, I think listening as simply as listening where, again, we're the rebel generation. Like you mentioned, you said it much more eloquently or maybe powerful is the right term than I did. Um, but because of that, and because of my comment about everything in moderation is the ability to to listen not only on to listen about you know uh, past experiences to listen about um, you know how things should be handled and then and then take that information into account in the millennial mindset of going against the status quo going against the grain I think um, I think other cultures do a really good job of it. I think other generations, maybe your generation to your parents' generation, did a good job of that. I get a little bit nervous sometimes that our generation is so close-minded to other ideas that they have their own ideas. They're very uh, independent, independent thinkers. That probably goes along with the uh, with the rebel, you know, comment you made. But right. you know, can we listen and can we um, learn? We're obviously going to have our own experiences, whether they're right or wrong, but do we have enough maturity to listen and learn from other experiences of other generations? Right. I guess the other question I'm, I'm going to start asking is, do you have friends in the boomer generation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do? Okay. Because mm-hmm. what I'm finding is, and when I talk to younger generations, they tend not to do the intergenerational thing mm. uh, unless they're related. And I think that's very important that if you can have a friend in those generations, that you were able to come together, discuss items, and gain that knowledge. But a lot of people fit in their own generation. And I think that's going to be kind of important uh, to realize on that one. But one of the contributions I think that probably your generation can make is to really push the envelope a little Mm -hmm. on ideas and to really take whatever you're working on to the next level. I think you're the generation that has to do that Uh, because the Gen X is getting close to being like the baby boomers. They're starting to start retiring here soon. Um, And I think that that's going to be the big issue for you guys to to, to look at and overcome. What is some common areas do you think that the generations can have together I think um, I think to your to your point about friendship among different different generations. I think experiencing things. Make sure I say this in a way that makes sense. But experiencing things together as different generations, because the interpretation mm-hmm. of that experience is going to be different. You know, t- uh, to your uh, you know question to me about whether uh, you know I have friends in different generations. I do, and I think it's good to have friends in different generations that aren't just family members. Right. Because you can share things with those, you know, people in different generations that you may not share with a parent or a, you know, a family member, which I think is important and healthy. And they're going to share things with you that they probably wouldn't share to, you know, a family member. Um, right. So I think it's it's uh, experiencing things together as generations, being able to interpret those differently, and then and then and then have conversations together. This has happened multiple times, Gary. Your questions are so good. As I think about it, then I lose my train of thought on the question that you asked. But hopefully that uh, that helped. Uh, it, it did help. It's great on that one. I think one of the uh, comments I, I got from the uh, Generation Z folks was, 
they're seeing a perception of ageism uh, a little bit, which uh, because of the Black Lives Matter movement and everything Mm -hmm. else, they're saying that that is one of the areas that their generation needs to do a little better is overcoming ageism. And we work with the older populations. Do you think that is uh, something that is out there? Is this ageism concept of discrimination or anything like that, Connor? Yeah, I would absolutely. I think the last the last couple of years you've seen that you know move to the forefront. So I think we see that on a day in day out basis. I think it's more it's more notable now just because of the rise of social media and the ability to to share. Uh, thoughts and ideas and pictures and experiences so quickly. I mean, it, it could take me five seconds to post, you know, an update of what I'm doing right at this moment. And then right. I could share that with thousands of people. So absolutely. Well, good. I, you know, I, the thousand of people is just mind boggling to me because I certainly don't have that, that type, <laughs> of, type of following at all. But, um, I just think that you're absolutely right on everything is so instant anymore that people can do that uh, and start a cause. One of the things that I had a discussion with on the, uh, the Z was how people post things on social media for causes, but going from that to actual implementation might be an issue. And, and the Zs are saying, well, no, we're going to do that. We've done that. Do you think the millennials will do that as well? You know, I, that's that's a, a great point. I um, I'm a very action oriented person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am, you know, uh, 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 I serve on a couple of boards. I'm probably the quietest person on the board, but I I try to be the most action oriented because I think, especially you 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 jump on social media now, you're going to have hundreds of people that have their own ideas on 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 how things should actually happen. Well. I would say not everyone takes the appropriate amount of action that aligns with, you know, what they want to see happen, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think everybody can do a better job of taking action um, because that's, that's, that's by far the most difficult part. The easy part is sharing your thoughts, you know, um, through some type of social media channel or any other type of channel. The hard mm-hmm. part is waking up the next day and saying, I'm either going to change my actions or my thoughts or, mm-hmm. I'm going to go down to, you know, the state capitol and uh, I'm going to talk to a legislator about A, B, C, and D. Um, So I think that's what will ultimately define, you know, our generation, probably going back to a previous question you asked. But I think in the end, with us being such such rebels, is we have a lot of thoughts. I think we've made those thoughts very, very clear. Mm -hmm. Can we take the necessary action to actually change the world policy uh, your local school, your community, whatever. One of the other things that I think has been interesting is, because uh, I asked about the commonality among the generations, is, and I'm really looking forward to the interview I did with True Wear, who is the, the Gen Z, gave me some very good insights onto how we need to find the positive aspects of the generations, which create the common areas instead of defining them with negativities. And I think that that is where we need to go. I think there's a lot more common among the generations than we realize, but we tend to put things in those. Well, for, well, we put them into these categories and then we just aren't open enough. I don't think to listen. I think you're, you're right on, on the listening aspect of the Connor. I, I really think that people don't do that. 
And I don't think my generation is as open to new ideas as we were previously, which is kind of interesting, but uh, how we've moved in that direction. But how do you think that your generation is going to uh, look at other countries' programs and are they going to be willing to incorporate ideas that might be working better in those countries into the U.S.? Or do you think they're going to be hesitant to do that? I sure hope so. You know, I, I think it's uh, – I mentioned a couple things that probably does a good job of answering that question. But the listening aspect, the mm-hmm. everything in moderation – we don't have all the answers and that people from other generations, but also different cultures have uh, different experiences in which we may not be having that experience. And so the ability to use that experience to then, uh, you know, change things in our own world or community or wherever, I think is a really important aspect. Again, I think the big question is, do we, do we have the ability to, uh, to, to actually sit down and listen enough to, to people that we may think are, uh, are different or, or, uh, in an area or a, you know, or a country or wherever that doesn't, that we don't see as the same, I guess. And I think you're correct on that one. It is that I, I, I've working in, in the field that I do, I see a lot of different programs, uh, in Europe on mental health and, uh, substance abuse that I think would be very good over here. They have high success rates. We just haven't implemented them. So hopefully your generation will be open to that and say, look, this country's doing it better. We can replicate that model and bring it to the U.S. And mm-hmm. as a trial, and hopefully we'll have the same success rate as they do. But I think that's very important that we kind of open up the prospect of how to deal with some of the, the really difficult challenges that uh, each generation has. Uh, the baby boomers are dealing with with substance abuse and children. Uh, grandparents are raising grandchildren because mm-hmm. of these issues. Uh, so hopefully we'll come to some common ground on that eventually. Mm-hmm. But any other thoughts on aging before we? Uh... No, I think you know honestly, Gary. I, I've I've never thought about these questions until uh, you you had me on. So I will tell you, it's. Um, it's allowed me to think about things I've actually never really sat down and thought about. And so I think you stirring up conversations uh, for your listeners and for your guests and for, you know, uh, everybody else, I, I think is important because uh, it's something that that I think life moves so quickly. So many times you don't have a, a chance to actually sit down and think about things like this that are really important. So thanks for putting well, that on the forefront. Oh, you're welcome, Connor. But I want to thank you for being one of my first guests. And I really enjoy having these conversations with individuals that are pretty in depth uh, in depth in nature and so hopefully the podcast will continue to do that and we're going to look forward to having you talk to us about uh, special needs trust and able accounts and all those wonderful things that you do do extremely well so thank you again connor gary thanks so much absolutely thanks for tuning in to bourbon with beagle presented by me gary beagle Be sure to subscribe to Bourbon with Beagle on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening now. I would like to thank my producer, Dan Bruton of SignalCast, and my digital media and marketing specialist, Aaron Haley. Without them, Bourbon with Beagle would not be possible.